are off to the races. Welcome to a new episode of the Rebel Radio Podcast. Since this new, we're using um, StreamYard now to record instead of Zencaster, and it doesn't like really give me any kind of countdown like Zencaster does. That's yeah. why the last couple episodes, people notice I'm going, "Hey, I think we're on. We're off the right." Yeah, okay, we're recording. It, it's so more of a click. Yeah, and it's like a starting gun. It just goes off. You know, yeah. it, boom! All like, right, the race is on. You better be ready because you're on the air. Full blast, full speed ahead. Um, intensity. It's like, ah, you know, throwing yeah. into the fire. Can't have kinda any like, of those hot takes, you know, yeah, or like hot this, mic moments. Kind of like this movie we're doing today. It's an intense and literally throws you into, um, I don't know if I'd say it throws you into the the fire, but throws you into the sands of Afghanistan and the intensity of it. That might be a good word for it. Definitely. Yeah. You know? And, uh, but yeah, man, um, it's a uh, it is uh, Thanksgiving week in America. Um, I am full of turkey and gravy and all that good stuff that we ate yesterday. Ham um, and stuffing, and I got charged in charge of cooking the turkey this year. Since and uh, that's I, a big it, deal. It, it dude. got rave. It got rave reviews. So I am. Um, I felt I got some positive vibes from that, and uh, pat myself on the back and felt pretty good. I accomplished the. I accomplished cooking the yard bird. You should feel good, man. That's like, you know, it, it's always, it, it's, it's always tough, you know, because there's not a whole lot of room for error. If you screw it up, you know, there's yeah. not a whole lot of options for you to kind of like, you know, check down that day. You know? <laughs> right. Like You're basically fucked if the turkey yeah. is all right. Like, you know, you can be like Christmas vacation style. It's a little dry. You know? yeah, dump it in some water. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. no. Uh, no, it, it came out well, man. And it was, it was a good day. So, you know, I was a little definitely tired when I got home last night, you know, and, uh, I don't, and I don't, I'm not one of those people that overeats on Thanksgiving. Like, you know, these people like, oh man, you know, there is that thing, supposedly something in Turkey that makes you sleep and all that. But a lot of it's just because mm-hmm. you eat too fucking much food. That's you know? true. <laughs> and, and I all know, your blood I'm, is rushing to your yeah, stomach trying to I digest ate that just shit. enough where I felt good. If I had mm-hmm. taken another bite or two, it would have probably overdid it, you know. And because um, you, you just have to be smart about it. This year I had too much stuffing. And then uh, well, I guess, you know, it's so we went to my in laws uh, and. You know, and at, at my house, you don't you don't eat anything until like we've said like you know we've said prayers, twenty five prayers, thanks. <laughs> yeah, you know we we have like one long one, you know, and uh, and then you know okay, you know you get to like the races. fifth prayer, you're like fuck, I want to eat, goddamn it. I'm yeah, trying. okay, stop thinking everyone you know. <laughs> Here I'm just like standing around and people are grabbing food. And you know, Jackie come, you know, she's like, oh, here you go to get you started. And it was like two tamales. And uh, I was like, do we just like, do we just eat? Like, do we, I don't think really, there's no like, you know, we're thankful for this. Thank you all for being here. Let's have a good time, you know. And then, you know, you know, a flare gun or something, you know, <laughs> uh, metaphorically like, speaking. Is it safe? Yeah. Like, because I don't want to start eating. And then they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, it's yeah. like you can't can't start eating yet. You know, so I, I was afraid to. To do that I wasn't used to the custom because it's we haven't been there in a while um so i you know that's kind of what i dealt with but uh you know I, I i only had one plate but i had forgotten that i had like you know two tamales and then i went back and i grabbed like a little bit of yams and then you know by the time i grabbed my plate it was really filling because i technically had like a plate and a half 
You I don't know? do yams. I don't like yams. It's got to be. I like Dude, my I aunt's yams. I don't like. I don't like yams, and I don't like cranberry sauce. It's just disgusting. I like cranberry sauce when it's part of that like chutney. It's like cream cheese and cranberry that's not sauce. Cranberry sauce. That's like raspberry chipotle. But yeah, 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 basically. But I don't like raspberry, so yeah, yeah. 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 That's shit. And, and, and here's another thing: I don't like cooked pies, like apple pie. Nope, I don't do cooked fruit. Wow, peach pie, none of that shit. No, I don't. Like oh, not peach. Fruit. Yeah, I like pecan pie a little bit. Um, I like pecan, but yeah. only I say only a little bit because it's super sweet. So I can only just a, just a little bit. You know, some small slice is good. Yeah, but give me anything with chocolate in it, hundred percent chocolate pies, things like that. But what about like pumpkin? The, you a pumpkin? No, fan? I I'm not. Pumpkin's disgusting. Okay. Yeah, me and my boss at work, we both agree that pumpkin is just one of those things that just should not be eaten. It's nasty. He <laughs> he doesn't like pumpkin either. He's like, no, it's nasty. <laughs> no, leave that for Starbucks, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I am not a pumpkin spice person. When pumpkin spice season rolls around, it's like, nah, like. But strangely. I've had a couple, you know, there is some pumpkin in Oktoberfest beers. There mm -hmm. are a couple of Oktoberfest beers that are okay. You know, like Shiner Oktoberfest isn't too bad. Yeah. Um, but I'm not a huge fan of them, but I'll drink a little bit, you know. But mm -hmm. not, I mean, I don't drink much beer anymore. And I did have uh, about three or four whiskey and Cokes yesterday, so I was feeling pretty good on Thanksgiving. Oh, so, there we you go. Know, yeah. You know, so I was, uh, felt pretty, I didn't have to drive. You know, I rode with my mom to my brother's house, so, you know. I indulged a little bit yesterday. Felt pretty there good. There you go, man. Yeah, I got. That's good that you. And you I got spaced them out just enough so I wasn't like drunk or nothing. I was just feeling feeling nice, you know. Feeling nice. Yeah. And uh, it was it was a, it was a good day. Good turkey day for all. And now it's a full on to Christmas season and uh, the hustle and bustle of the holidays, as they say. Yeah, we got to do the old. You know, you got to be like Arnold and fight with the Sinbads out there for that last double mental. That's right. You know, yeah. that's I mean, time. It's time for that. Yeah, and uh, thank God for online shopping. That's all I have to say. Yes, dude. Like, I could not deal with people, man. I'm like, you know, it's, I used to not be like that. I used to be like, you know, whatever. I'll go out now. It's like because I've gotten older, man. I'm like, I just look at these people. I'm like, no, I don't want to be anywhere near people I don't know, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we kind of got used to the, uh, you know, we use Instacart a lot because if we go, you know, sometimes it's, it's easier for us to just look around and say, okay, this is what we want instead of like walking around. And then you see all the impulse buys and you end up spending more. Um, oh, and yeah. then plus you got a bunch of kids. You're like, okay, I, then I don't have them trying to grab stuff. And then, you know, making the bill jump up another 30 or $40. Oh, dude, that's uh, easy. I went in Walmart today, and not to give Walmart a plug, but I intended on buying like three things. Oh, I got to spend sixty bucks. I'm like, what the hell the fuck does yeah. that? Because I had like, the the two of the kids with me. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So we do that, and it's like I actually went shopping the other day in uh, in a store, and I'm like, what? There's a line. I gotta <laughs> wait. Uh, I'm not used to this. <laughs> and then they then you have like. I'm pretty introverted, so then you have to interact when they're like, oh, how are you today? And I'm like, oh, I'm good. You know, good. I, have, I really have to speak back to you? Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe she's cute, but, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just <laughs> pretend like, you know, just pretend like you speak a, a random language, speaking like Minionese or whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever they talk. And they're like, oh, grunt. he's foreign. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You're, uh, um, you're, you're whatever, uh, you're the, like the witcher. You're you're like Henry Cavill in The Witcher, where he just grunts. Yeah. Mm. Mm. 
I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, man, uh, other than that, it was a good holiday. And, and I, I, I ended the holiday um, with uh, watching a, uh, it's kind of becoming a, a somewhat of a traditional Thanksgiving movie for me. And I sat down with my oldest last night and watched Playing Trains and Automobiles. Nice. We got home. You know, it's like the, per- it's, I mean, it's like the perfect Thanksgiving movie. You know what I mean? Um, trying him, Dell and Neil trying to get home for Thanksgiving and with a wonderful message at the end, we find out that of course, you know, Dell doesn't have a home or anywhere to be. And Neil, after this adventure with this man who he learns to um, respect, I guess, and mm-hmm. not hate like he did at the beginning and takes him in. And you always wonder, I, I watch that movie and I always think uh, like what happened afterwards. And I, my thought is I like to think that Neil helped Dell get off his feet maybe get his maybe get a home back under him and they just became really great friends and like family the rest of their lives that's that's how i feel that it ended you know is that neil helped dell because they'll get uh, because dell neil worked in marketing dell was a great salesman and yeah yeah the two could work together you know that's how i feel about that that's probably what happened afterwards that's that's probably best case scenario and probably the most accurate and what probably would have happened yeah and it's just a good movie and it makes me laugh every time i watch it and and uh, it just, it's a good way to kick off the holiday season of movies. So I'm sure over yeah. the next month, I'll get some Jingle All the Way in there. I'll get some Christmas Vacation there. Definitely. Um, the kids actually were watching Christmas Chronicles while I putting the tree up the other night. Nice. Um, you know, so uh, I'm sure I'll get some Christmas movies in there in the next month as we uh, roll towards the um, the holiday. So I did, I did watch that. And uh, I watched, um, I'm almost finished all of Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. I think I have two episodes left, maybe. Um, it's a lot of fun, man. I mean, it's it's it definitely expands from what the movie did based on because it's based on the comics. Um, it's pretty wild, pretty zany anime. Um, and uh it, it's it's if you're a fan of Scott Pilgrim versus the world, it's definitely worth taking the time to watch the you know new anime on Netflix, really, really enjoying it. Um so far. It's cool to hear Chris Evans come back and do the voice of uh of um I can't think of the character's name, but you know, he's in there. The, the and, one with uh, the, the actor stuntman. Yeah. Dude. yeah. yeah. And uh, so it's cool. It's, it's definitely some good stuff to watch. Um, so worth watching on Netflix right now. And then um, I didn't watch a whole ton this week. Uh, still was kind of getting over that flu bug. I did watch a, I had never seen this. This just was a random thing. I just kind of watched. I had never seen draft day with Kevin Costner. Yeah. Um, where yeah. He plays a general manager and of uh, the Cleveland Browns. And it's about their, their draft. And, it's directed by you know the late great Ivan Reitman and uh, and I, I don't know I, I enjoyed the heck out of it man you know it's yeah. it's uh it's nothing special it's not gonna win any awards it's a real straightforward sports movie but man I liked it man it's got Frank Langella in it and, and Jennifer Garner um, a good cast Dennis Leary plays the coach of the team um, and just kind of I don't know if it's any official insight as to what goes on, on draft day but you know the NFL supported the film they allowed them to use logos you know. Um, commissioner, I can't think of his name. Ta- ta- uh, what is the fucking commissioner of the NFL's name? I've, I've, I forget. Oh, uh, good, 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 Roger Goodell. Right, Goodell. Roger Goodell. Yeah. Goodell appears in the movie, so the NFL obviously supported the film. Doesn't so Arian I, Foster make Arian an appearance? Arian Foster is in yeah. it, yeah. Um, you know, he's in it. And uh, when it's funny, I didn't recognize I'm like, man, that dude looks really familiar. And I looked up, oh, that's fucking Arian Foster playing for the Texas. Doesn't he have like a British accent in the movie <laughs> no, or something? No, he's just regular. Terry Crews plays his dad. Oh, you know, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, 
so it, it was it was it was a fun little watch you know it was it's, it was cool with a uh, chad the late great chadwick boseman's in it you know um and uh so it was it was it was it was a fun little watch um it's on hbo max you know or max whatever the fuck it's called now and yeah. um, I just sat back and was like, hey, I'm going to watch this. And uh, I don't know, just a random, every now and then you'll do that. Just watch the random movie you've never seen. I'm like, you know, I've never seen this. I'm going to watch yeah. it. And, um, and I liked it. Uh, it was it was good. I mean, like I said, not one of those movies was going to win any rewards or anything, but it was it entertained me for a couple hours. Um, and uh, I did, I also watched, um, so I guess I did watch a couple things. I watched uh, Justice League World War, War World, the new DC animated film. Yeah. Um, you know, the last few DC anime films haven't been great. This one I kind of liked. It's uh, the Justice League is thrown into like uh, they're each going through these simulations or something that sort of happens, and it's like they, that they can't. They're they're omnipotent. They can't seem to get out of them, and then they all come together to figure out how to stop whoever's behind it at the end. And uh, and it, it was pretty good. It's ultra violent. It's one of the most definitely one of the more violent DC anime films. I was really shocked about. Like, Wow, this I mean it was like apocalypse war level of violence. It was it was like that. And uh, is it, it kind of like Doom where each one is in their uh own uh simulation? Sort of, yeah, sort of and, like that. Okay, and and they're it's a plan that actually Batman came up with to take out the Justice League if they came out of control and someone got a hold of the plans. Yeah, I and, guess it has uh, some similar similarities to Doom. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, cool. but it was it was interesting. It it was um yeah, I tried to watch all those and I know I saw a couple weeks ago it had shown up on Max and I just hadn't sat down to watch it yet. So finally watched it and um not the best. None of these current incarnations, other than the long Halloweens, have been great. You know, we all know this yeah. since the apocalypse war. Um, but when we get to the newsletter, there's a trailer for the next one, which um hoping that it's gonna right the ship as far as uh the way these DC animated films are headed. And we'll discuss that in a little bit. But uh, that's kind of what I watched this week on uh, draft day. Scott Pilgrim takes off. I need to get back into Blue Eyed Samurai because I really like that show. I just haven't had a chance to go back and and uh, continue on with it. You know, because it's one of those, well, it's also one of those things I can't really watch it with the kids. Like Scott Pilgrim takes off. Yeah. You can't, you shouldn't watch with the kids because there's a lot of real adult dialogue with Scott Pilgrim takes off. But if they're not paying attention, you can kind of watch it because they're not going to really pick up. One. There's no nudity or ultra violence in it, like Blue Eyed Samurai. You know, it's yeah. ultra violent, lots of nudity. Can't watch it with the kids. Yeah, but, no but chance. Scott, Scott Pilgrim take off. You can kind of uh, watch with with the kids in the room if you had to. Um, so that's kind of what I watched this week. Nice. Yeah. Um, Oppenheimer. I had pre-ordered it and it came out, and uh, I rewatched it um, and had Jackie watch it too. Uh, she did not like it as much as we did. Um, she felt like it took a while for it to get interesting. Um, but like once they were assembling the bomb and blowing stuff up um, and she, you know, kind of caught what was going on with the trial um, and everything. She, she was like, okay, she started getting a little bit more interest in it. She said yeah. it was well acted. You know, what's funny is, um, you know, I've heard that reaction from several women viewers. Yeah. Um, and you know what I, I hate? I'm started thinking about it. Is it because they don't, because Oppenheimer is ultimately not a real good man and he's kind of a womanizer? He, he, he doesn't is appeal, he doesn't appeal to women v- viewers. This is true. Where men look at from a different perspective, men can understand that he's not a good man. He's not a good man. But men look at it from the historical perspective and they look at it differently. 
Exactly. I wonder if it's a point of view. I wonder if it's a point of view of viewing between men and women. Because I've heard that same thing from several from women reviewers and things I've read that they say it's kind of boring. They don't really like it. They can't get into it. Where men seem to get into it more. So I wonder if that's yeah, because you're like okay, the type of character the open on his character. Yeah, you know we see it as okay. This is his character. This is one of his flaws. Right. And it, it adds to, you know, who he is versus like, oh, I can't get on board with this guy. This guy is right. he's slinging it around, you know, no. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, another one of those films where it's like, definitely if you haven't seen it before, uh, don't have the kids in the room because those nude scenes, you you just don't realize when they're going to pop up. Right. Like I remember telling myself, well, maybe I can take Jake and as soon as they walk into a bedroom, I'll just say, all right, close your eyes and I'll tell you <laughs> when to open them. No, dude, it just happens it's like one minute they're talking and then whoop Slam Florence is like friggin you know riding uh Cillian Murphy just at, boom <laughs> yeah, so it's like you there's no chance of you catching it um but it was fun re-watching it and and you know I did bring yeah. Jake out whenever they were doing the bomb testing um so he could kind of see that part um because uh that part's real interesting and then just all the actors you see when that I mean uh, Drake from Nickelodeon's Drake and Josh is is on there, you know, which is crazy. Uh, and yeah. he's all grown up. Uh, I plan on know. giving it a rewatch here. Yeah. Eventually. I mean, there's never been an Ola movie I haven't rewatched other than Interstellar. And Interstellar was more for me, not because I didn't like it, just because it's, I find it so depressing. I just don't know if I can sit through it ever again. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's like uh, watching, uh, you know, I, I wish I would have waited to to rent Sound of Freedom because. I don't think it's a movie I, you know, retro, you know, ret in retrospect, uh, I wouldn't want to own it because it's one of those movies you just watch once. Uh, yeah. Just like, uh, man, what was that one? Like, can uh, you imagine Aaron anyone film? ever watching The Boy with the Striped Pajamas a second time? No. It's like, no. Once no, it's dude. so horrifyingly sad, once is enough. It's like, no, I can never do that ever again. Yeah. <laughs> Grave of the Fireflies is another one of those. It's like, well, you know, I look at Grave of the Fireflies a little different because I think because it's animated and it's still sad. I think it's a show me movie. Like if someone's never seen it, you could sit down and watch it and see how someone reacts. Yeah. Where yeah, the boy in striped pajamas, I don't think would be something I would want to show someone because it's almost not fair to them because it's so horrifying. Mm -hmm. You know, where Grave of the Fireflies is such a more important film, I think, to show people. I don't want that to sound insensitive because Boy in striped pajamas is an important film, too. Yeah. I think Grave of the Fireflies is such a powerful film because it shows what animation can do and not be just for kids. Yeah, and, and it touches on the uh on the family aspect. You know, if you've got kids, I think it, it hits you harder, which you know, you know, boy in the striped pajamas, same thing. There's you know, yeah. there's a boy, and then you know, there's men in there that used to be physicians and now they're forced to be like, you know, laborers. <laughs> and and they're like you know they've got they're trying to help um the people that are like beating the shit out of them Dude. even though they're being put to labor camps yeah, it's horrifying and Dude. yeah the, that so conversation came up well those are like schindler's list i mean you're probably never going to watch it more than once no <laughs> uh, that conversation came up yesterday at dinner somehow about like uh being okay to cry at movies <laughs> um because like uh my guess my brother and my sister-in-law let the, their boys watch Titanic and the boys did not handle it well when people started dying. Oh, wow. Because it's so realistic. And uh, that said, their boys were crying and they were upset. And uh, 
and I told my nephew, like, it's okay to cry at movies. And, and that conversation came up about, you know, war movies and saving private Ryan and movies that make you, make you cry. Like, like American sniper, man. I, I mean, I will say this. I sat in the theater the whole time I was fine. And as soon as they showed his child at the end, dude, I'm bawling. When they showed yeah, the real man. Kyle, uh, Chris Kyle's, uh, son at the end saluting his dad at the funeral yeah i was done i was like okay the waterworks started man. i mean i'm man enough to admit it <laughs> yeah there's some things where it's like you know if you don't if you don't feel anything uh you know you need to get tested for like yeah. you know being a, a sadist or something you know <laughs> yeah it blows my mind when people say they don't cry in certain movies i'm like i look at him like what's wrong with you it's like it's like yeah that's not normal you know it's like and especially ones that are based on true stories or um, or realistic events like Saving Private Ryan, you know, mm -hmm. it's like hard to not have feelings for these things these people went through that are or, or, or the boy in the striped pajamas, you know, things like that. Um, you know, and uh, we got a little off topic there, I guess. You know, but Oppenheimer yeah. is Oppenheimer is not a sad story. It is based on real events. Now it's a sad story as far as results of what that weapon created. And 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 what it ended up doing to Hiroshima and, and Nagasaki, and um, you know, in the in thousands of thousands of people lost their lives because of that weapon. So, yep. And it's like you know, there that conversation of you know the innocent people being caught in the crossfire. You know, a lot of people don't mind you know soldiers signing up and saying, "All right, you know, I'm going to shoot at people and I'm going to get shot at and right. you know, this is what I'm doing. I signed up for it, but the people that are around, like in Grave of the Fireflies that have no say in the war um and and no say in what, you know, what kind of fallout um from the attacks, you know, what where that goes, it's you know, they it's uh it's touchy there. Um yeah. you know, so yeah, that's definitely the sad part. Um but uh, yeah, Oppenheimer, it's out. Um, Christopher Nolan says buy the Blu-ray so they can't, you know, mess with your your digital copy. Uh, I know <laughs> I've seen that all over the internet. All these conversations coming up again about whether you own your own digital copies or not. And of course, you know, I think Walmart and Fandango already released a statement saying yes, you own the things you buy from us. But then Amazon's over there with their like, well, we we don't know about that because yeah, Amazon, yeah, Amazon. But I do think fanding that's why i trust fandango and voodoo more because they are run by a movie company by fandango yeah and i you know and and it even says i someone i think someone posted somewhere the agreement when you buy it from voodoo compared to the amazon one and then the voodoo agreement shows that you do own it so there's a big difference that i saw that over the internet yeah. this week you know so, yeah. um other than that uh there's only one more uh movie that i did watch and uh i rented it uh and probably could have passed in that <laughs> expendables for um because i was just curious i'm like is it as bad as the critics said it was and it is uh the storyline i mean they get they're on a mission and they get jumped by tony jaw and uh then they go back to you know enact revenge basically and 50 cent is in it um mm -hmm. You know, is, it, is, course, he, is it fat 50 cent right now? Is he fat? Yeah, they really made a big deal at the Super Bowl, how he gained weight. <laughs> yeah, he did gain a little bit of weight. And of course, they do play some of his music in there uh, rather cheesily. That's just self-serving. The death scenes look like they were filmed from like, you know, the, the 
like 2008 or something. It's like, you could tell it's CGI. Um, it doesn't, uh, doesn't look like a modern. Well, I mean, expendable let's film. be real about that franchise. And I do have the Blu-ray that has the first three on it. Cause I got it cheap. You know, I think I'd pay like five in the five dollar bin at Walmart. Like, you know what? Yeah. And the first one. Okay. The second one. Okay. But the third one, it started getting bad. Yeah. Like did we, we didn't need any more, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like, I, I didn't think there was going to be any more after the third. Well, remember and a it, couple of years ago, they tried to pull off a all female one, but oh. they just couldn't pull it together. It ended up never happening. So they yeah. ended up like, well, all the guys want to do another one. Let's make a fourth one. You know? That would have been cool if you'd get like, you know, Bridget Nielsen, Sigourney Weaver, uh, you know, uh, Sarah Connor. Why can't I think of her name right now? Linda uh, Hamilton. Yeah, Linda Hamilton. You know, if you got all of those like fucking 80s action uh women, dude, I think that would there weren't that rock. many of them. <laughs> I know there wasn't many. You wouldn't need that many, you know. Go for you know, we go for quality there. But uh but yeah, man. Um I thought Megan Fox might have had a bigger impact on my enjoyment of the movie. And uh, you know, she's in there for a little bit doing her thing. Um she looks cute. Still, still looks pretty, you know. But uh, but ah, that's about it. Just <laughs> wait until it comes out streaming somewhere if you want to waste, you know, your time watching it. Uh, definitely don't spend any money on it. That's for sure. No. Um, other than yeah, other than that, that was it. Well, it's okay. Kind of a short week in news because of a holiday, so we'll go over these quick. Um, there's only a couple things. I talked about. There is a, a new trailer out for the next DC animated film, and they're going to adapt. The uh, super famous Crisis on Infinite Earths, you know, mm -hmm. drawn by the great George Perez and written by the great Marv Wolfman. Um, you know, it's one of the most famous comic books of all time. It's going to be a three-part animated film. So hopefully they do this thing just as they're doing three parts. And uh, the trailer is out for part one. Um, and it's hard to judge the trailer because it's very much a teaser. doesn't show a lot. Um, but, man, this is just one of those that I really hope it's good. Um, because it's such a huge storyline, the crisis on infinite earth. And, uh, hopefully, um, and hopefully it's going to lead to a new phase because obviously crisis on infinite earth rebooted the DC universe back in the, the eighties. And, um, similar to how flashpoint and did with, the the, um, last wave of comic books, of DC animated films and all this leading up to apocalypse war. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so hopefully they're going to reboot again after this, but hopefully it's a really good storyline going that reboot with the adaption of uh, crisis on infinite earth. Um, so I hope so. And hopefully they, I really hope they take the opportunity to pay some nice tributes to the great George Perez do as well. When they do this, it's hopefully one so, of man. his uh, seminal works. Um, the other big news that came out this week is, um, and is Dave Filoni is now the chief creative operator operator at um, Lucasfilm for, and he is in charge of working with Kathleen Kennedy on the direction of all um, future star Wars projects. And, uh, it's like Dave, Dave already came out and said, look, you know, I'm, I'm not in charge of anyone. This is just a new title. He goes, I'm basically doing what I was already doing. Me and John Favreau, or we're just going to guide this universe and where it's going moving forward. Um, you know, and, you know, all the fanboys that hate Kathleen Kennedy for some reason have shouted out, you know, to make Dave Filoni be in charge. And maybe one day he will, you know, when, when Kat Kennedy retires. And, and I've said this before on the show, and I've said it many times, Kathleen Kennedy has made that company billions of dollars she's not going anywhere whether exactly. you like her or not um you know and and feloni is definitely the right man in charge uh and he he made some interesting statements talking about uh ray stevenson and his work as Balin skull 
Mm -hmm. said that he he knows the story is still there and, and he knows that they um but he he said something like we're kind of in a holding pattern right now and um what this tells me is i i maybe i'm reading too much into this but during the strikes i'm thinking disney sat back hey let us soak a season one play out um you know there's been no formal announcement about mandalorian season four even though we know it's probably coming and mm -hmm. we know that um the movie is coming uh but i'm expecting maybe um in the next few months, maybe at Comic-Con next year or something, um, some sort of major Star Wars announcement as far as the future of the franchise, kind of like they do with the Marvel films. We know the Ray movie's coming. Um, we know James Mangold's Star Wars movie's still coming. All this stuff's still in the books, but it feels like they're finally sitting back and maybe they're going to have a plan soon. Because it is, we, as far as we know, Skeleton Crew is the next show that's going to come. Um, but beyond that, we don't know what's next from Star Wars. So, uh, yeah. so I guess, but you know, Filoni and Favreau have done so much awesome stuff in the last few years. We got to sit back and just wait and see what else they give us. Yeah. You know? you, we've, we've trusted them with what they've, you know, been tasked with so far and they've, they've put out, you know, good stuff. I mean, yeah. they've put out some of the best stuff we've seen from Star Wars in a while. Uh, mm -hmm. and I think just trust them. Yeah. I mean, even the stuff it. that wasn't as popular, like, you know, I, I still enjoyed a lot of things about the Boba Fett show, and I enjoyed a lot of things about the Obi-Wan show. You know, I think yeah, it's easy to say, oh, they were unnecessary. Did you really need them? Maybe, but you know what? It just Who cares? Just Star enjoy. Wars, man. Yeah. You know? be, and, uh, be grateful that we have more than just the prequel and the original trilogy. Yeah. You know? So, you know, so, so Filoni, chief creative operator moving forward, well, it can only mean good things, I would think, for Lucasfilm and the future of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. um, so that's all I got in the news. Well, let's get into a, today's feature film, man. This is a movie that um, came out in, uh, let me get my year right. It, this movie actually debuted almost six to seven months before it even hit American theaters. It started winning a lot of film festival awards and ended up getting um, nominated and winning best picture in the year that uh, in 2009 i believe it was but its official release was in 2008 um by hitting film festivals and uh this movie was not a huge box office hit or anything like that but it no, but it found dope. ground by winning awards i think it only made what 18 20 million at the box office it's the lowest grossing best picture winner of all right. of all time but even adjusting for inflation but it's a damn good movie. And that is. is the Hurt Locker. Um, it's it's essentially a story of a, a bomb squad and their, their daily uh, routines going through. Um, they, do they ever really identify this as Afghanistan? They, uh, they mentioned yeah, that yeah. they do say it's Afghanistan. Okay. Cause I was wondering if it was just like just a third world country, you know, but it is supposed to be during the Afghan war. Yeah. And um, you know, and, and they're, they're, their bomb tech, played by Guy Pierce early in the film, is killed. So they bring in the new guy, and he's a hot shot young start sergeant, played by Jeremy Renner, who um, tends to have a uh, wild side death wish for what he does, um, going about his business. And uh, Anthony Mackie plays his uh, second in command, um, and they don't like each other because of the way they they have different views of operating, and and yeah. they go about their day-to-day -day routine defusing these bombs they find throughout the uh, city uh, and the countryside. And um, it, this movie plays for some truly intense moments, some truly great character work by Mackie and, uh, and 
Jeremy Renner, mm -hmm. and uh, gets you some insight into the day in and day out of what these men and women, um, even though there's no women in this film, but we know they're out there go with are going through a day in and day out in the war. And there's there's the interesting thing about this is we know it's Afghan and and we know it's the Afghan war, but there's no real timeline. Um, I got a sense that this movie was maybe towards the end of the war during kind of cleanup time because there's no real heavy combat going on. It's just kind of exactly a lot of surveillance, you know, right. And and, uh, you know, of course, the guerrilla warfare um, IEDs that they're having to uh, defuse. And uh, what you may not know about these these bombs, these IEDs, is uh, the reason they're so dangerous um, and, and very well depicted in the in the practical effects that they use. They just use air um, coming up from the bottom of the ground, which is kind of what these explosions do. Um, and they expand anything that holds air around them. So if you are a human and you have lungs, it's going to expand your lungs and explode your lungs. And while it doesn't look like a Michael Bay explosion and, you know, at first, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I was like, well, how did, how did Guy Pierce's character die? You know, he, there's no fire. Um, you know, his head just explodes and that's because of what that, you know, does to the air system around it. Um, it, it, you know, pushes it. It's like, you know, a balloon getting blown up and then, you know, popping is, is mm -hmm. what it, it'll do to you. Um, so it's, uh, it's pretty horrific. You see Guy Pierce's head explode and you're like, God, geez, you know, and then Renner, he don't even care about this suit. Sometimes he's like, <laughs> well, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go comfortable. And that touches on what we are told at the beginning of the movie. The theme that is going to run through this film war is a drug. It's addictive. And Renner's character is addicted to what he does. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's it, which shows even more so towards the end of the film. And uh, I'm going to get his character's name right. Um, he's a staff sergeant. William. Will. Yeah, he's Will. And then uh, I know Mackie's James. What they, call him, they call his last name. They call him by his last name, James. And Sanborn is Mackie. Sanborn. Sanborn. And, El and Elder just played their third in command. So, yeah. And uh, what's interesting, this is, uh, this is pre Avengers for both of them. You know, Mackie was relatively unknown. Renner, I think, was almost an unknown at this point, too, even though yeah. he had been in a few things, but um, this was definitely his big break. And um, and and they're both really good in this movie. Like, uh, I almost feel like they really don't like each other at times, <laughs> but yet they have this mutual respect for each other and what they're going through, what they work for each other. Sam Bourne, played by Mackie, you know, he just you know, he's very much a company man doing what he, his job and doing the told. And, and he has a real hard time dealing with, uh, with Sergeant James and the way he is just crazy. You know, he, he doesn't, Sam Moore doesn't work like communicate. That. Yeah. yeah. He throws his headset <laughs> off at one point. Uh -huh. It's just irritating him. Um, when he's trying to defuse the car bomb and, and, and it's, and it's driving Sam Moore nuts, you know, he doesn't like it, but yet he, he learns to trust this guy to do his job because he keeps getting him out of these situations, which are life or death. I mean, the whole movie is about life or death. The situations are in. Oh yeah. And, and it's, it's like, uh, he has no regard, <laughs> even less regard for safety in, in the fact that in the beginning they, they use a robot to try and pick through and, and make sure that, uh, you know, they don't put themselves in harm's way, 
you know, whenever they're doing, you know, the fact finding stuff, you know, where is it? Um, you know, okay. You know, what's it maybe connected to what's it hidden under? Um, they use a robot, you know, and, and Renner's character, he just, you know, doesn't matter. He's just going to go out there in the suit. Right. Even though that suit ain't, ain't bulletproof or explosion proof as we can, as you can see at the beginning of the film. Mm. Yeah. And the cool thing about this movie too, as, as their relationship develops is the movie does a good job. I, I feel um, dealing with, albeit small, but important aspects of uh, not PTSD because they're still in the war, but dealing with what they're dealing with in the war. Like Sanborn, yeah. he just wants to survive. He feels like at this point in his life, he hasn't done anything with his life yet. He wants to get back home. He wants to have a kid. He wants to have a son specifically because he wants his family name to go on. And that's yeah. his focus. I, I just want to go home and, and have a normal life. Um, And then James is the opposite of him. He does... He has a child already, but yet he's not really in love with his wife. They're kind of going through a divorce or thing, you know, um, and he he's not as excited that he's a dad as mm-hmm. Sam Board wants to be a dad. But yet but yet that doesn't mean he's a bad dad because he does understand what his duties are as a father. So basically, James is still trying to figure out how to live a real life because to him, his life is war because, like he said, it's a drug to him. You know, uh, he can't. James yeah. is all about the adrenaline rush. James and it even shows has, at the end of the film. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, and he has the that that difficulty kind of you know working in a, in a civilian atmosphere. Whenever he's invited into an Iraqi's home to have dinner, and he can't even have a normal interaction with him. You know, he right. he instantly you know freaks out, pulls his gun. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, that's, that situation turns sideways. William um, Bates, but yeah. Him, and so, to be fair, yeah, to, to be fair, he did go in there half cocked, but, uh, yeah, he, he can't even, you know, be civil when, when prompted to be, it seems like, well, he, um, well, he joins Bravo company when they only have about 30 days left in the rotation. And when yeah. the rotation ends, you know, he goes back home and, and, and we're kind of jumping to the end of the movie because there's some things to talk about. But he doesn't even know how to act at home. He goes shopping with the with the estranged wife and the and his child, and he just doesn't know how to doesn't know how to be at home. You know, he, he keeps yeah. talking to his wife about the war. You can tell she doesn't want to hear about it. You know, you can see it in her face. But that's all he knows. And uh, of course, it all ends with him. Talk about. Yeah, it ends with him going back. You know, at the end, he ends up going back for another year rotation. Uh, because it's he just it's, so he's the opposite of Sanborn. Sanborn's ready to go home. James isn't. You know he's like he doesn't know how to live any other life. And I think it's really cool how Catherine Bigelow's director told those polar opposites of those two characters. Um, you know, I remember this is a movie that whenever I first saw this, it, it gripped me instantly. I mean, I, when I saw it back, you know, 10, 11 years ago, and uh, and then watching it now, it still holds up. It still grips me instantly. It's like I it this movie is a, one of the best of the modern war films and it pulls you in and it pulls you in a different way than than say lone survivor might because this movie um it's almost how would i even describe that there's a certain intensity to this and a certain uh the characters are played so well and quick and there's only a few characters in this movie that i think it's easier to uh kind of follow them and what they're doing and it, and it grips yeah. you and it's a really well told story too um no and, and yeah 
the intensity that they experience, like when they're out in the desert uh, trying to help that that British company, mm -hmm. uh, and they start getting you know pinned by sniper fire, and they've got a you know they keep their own people hopping on the fifty BMG um, to to shoot back and and snipe the, these people back that are hunkered down in this bunker. They they keep getting taken out, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so. Uh, they've got to rely on each other, um, Sanborn and and uh, several hours. Yep. Yeah. And they're just like fucking dying out there. Uh, they're sucking down juice boxes, trying to stay awake because they don't know if the guy's playing possum or not. And uh, that's got to be tough. You know, you're you're out there in the heat. You've got to stare down the scope and, you know, hope you don't die. Um, you know, because, and, and, you know, the mindset of of Anthony Mackey's character. So it's, it's even, it even, you know, intensifies your connection to that character. You know, what's going through his head. Um, you can kind of identify with him because he's so close to what I think most people, you know, would feel a soldier would feel, um, you know, you would feel that, you know, want to be home that want to be able to make it home. And now uh, he doesn't know if he's going to be out, lying in a pool of blood um, where in his words, you know, no one gives a shit about him right? And, and no one will care um, versus Renner. Renner is probably like, you know, enjoying it somewhat probably. Yeah. Well, what's crazy is, and then when, when things do almost catch up to him at the end, towards the end of the movie, when they have a suicide bomber out there in, in the streets and uh, oh yeah, he, he has to try to get the bomb off of him in time, but, but he can't, he, he can't do it. And, and he's running away, the bomb explodes, and it almost gets him, you know. But yet, even after that, he still goes back out there, you know, because it just he doesn't know any other way to live. Um, and it just shows you there are different opposites of their characters. Um, so little facts about this is, uh, you know, I was read you were mentioned last week, I read that Catherine Bigelow shot this with a lot of uh, hand cams and, and uh, unsteady cameras to give it almost a documentary approach to it, um, which uh, was interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. it's real purposely grainy because it's uh, they want it to look gritty and like you're in war. Um, this is the movie that went up against James Cameron's avatar. And uh, James Cameron, of course, used to be married to Catherine Bigelow, and he encouraged her to do this film. And he yeah. said, yeah, absolutely. And did, he did not know. He joked about a year later that he would lose six Academy Awards to her. And he's like, well, I'll never bet against her. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, because she beat Avatar that year for the best picture by, by this movie and best best director. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool. It seems like Cameron and her have a really good um, relationship, you know, despite. Yeah, being that, that one's cool. Yeah. And uh, so she ended up beating her ex-husband. I'm sure she felt good about that. Um, oh, yeah. This Anytime is you can beat Cameron. Film. Yeah. Yeah. Where all footage was used. This uh, Catherine Bigelow says they they shot straight two hours of film and. Nothing, no deleted scenes, nothing was used. Everything came in uh, the way it was supposed to, um, which is pretty rare, you know, for movies. Um, yeah. They uh, used the bomb suit was authentic. They borrowed from the U.S. military. It was authentic apparel, uh, you know, um, which is cool, you know, as a lot of the stuff were. A lot of the IEDs and things were all based on, uh, like you were talking earlier, real designs. They had bomb experts show them what these look like. They wanted it to look and feel as real as possible. Yes. And, uh, and then especially the, uh, the one in the, in the car that the guy tried to set on fire to set it off. 
and uh renner's character couldn't find the the control unit the little uh the 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 box that leads from the first wire i forget what it's what it's right. called no i'm no electronics expert or or bomb expert myself um so i'm just trying to remember what he called it but uh the, the guy tried to set it off by lighting the vehicle on fire and uh and then that was actually i think the vehicle actually caught fire in that scene and renner actually had to put out that fire with uh with a fire extinguisher so that was pretty cool um mm -hmm. and then yeah he's he's just obsessed with trying to find that controller and mackie's like should let the engineers take care of it and he's like nope nope i'm doing it <laughs> um so i was just reading some stuff about the movie well i know they threw a bunch of uh trash into the street jordan's actually where they filmed is actually pretty clean yeah i and was reading that too they, they had, had to, to make it look war-torn Mm -hmm. Yeah, they had to make it look war torn. They brought in some torn up cars and some old things and rocks and things like that to make it look uh, more like an Iraq, an Iraqi or Afghanistan city. Yeah, and they said like Jordan was really safe. Like uh, a lot of locals and stuff always wanted to talk to the actors, and the actors had no problem doing it because they felt very safe there. You know, Jeremy yeah. Renner and Mackie and them signing autographs, taking pictures with people. You know, they they just said it was a really. Uh, comfortable shooting environment um you know there uh but like i said the city is really clean so the hardest part was making it look like a war city <laughs> yeah and i think they had an embassy that's that's not far from there uh mm -hmm. so they were they're pretty safe bigelow wasn't she a a war a war reporter too didn't, didn't she do some document some mm. didn't she i, I want to say that she, i read something or heard something that she was actually over there at one point yeah or maybe she just interviewed people that were over there maybe that's what i'm thinking of according to imdb the film takes place in 2004 so that would make sense more towards the end of the iraqi war because you know yeah. 9 11 happened in 2001 and we all know we went in there and kicked ass and, and wiped things out and by 2004 the war was definitely still going on but it was probably more clean up and surveillance and making sure that things uh, were not getting out of hand again. Um, so that's fair to say. Um, but yeah, man, this movie is, uh, I like it a lot, man. I think it's, it's a great war film. I think it's definitely something that uh, everyone should see, you know, um, I think it's a good character study of what these uh, men uh, deal with on a day-to-day -day basis and the, and the drug that is war and the addiction that it can cause, but also the will to survive and go home and have a normal life as well from the two main characters in the film. Um, yeah. And, and to the point we didn't even talk about Eldridge and his character, um, like he absolutely hates James because he doesn't show it. He's trying to do his job the whole film. You know, he's trying to do what Sanborn tells him, but he's also trying to work with James because James is his commanding officer. But then when mm -hmm. he gets shot, because of James's um, stupidity, basically his his overzealousness, it elders lets loose and tells him, "Fuck you, man! Fuck you! I hate you!" Oh yeah. You know, when he gets sent back home, he's he's, he's he like, finally, "Stanborn, you're all right, but James, fuck you!" <laughs> yeah, he basically holds it all in until he's to that point where he's so pissed off at James, he's like, "Screw you, man!" And I, both uh, so of them hate hate the environment they're in. Yeah, and James, he loves it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really, really interesting story. And uh, 
Um, just just a good film. I think it, you know there was some people weren't sure if it deserved best picture. Um, but it was I was looking at the nominations that year. It was a tough call. There were several good ones. Um, but I think this film is an important movie, and I think it deserves. Um, James Cameron even said that you know he considers this the platoon of the Iraqi War as far as those movies and things like that. Yeah. And, um, it, which is I started thinking when I read that quote. I mean, how many Vietnam movies were there to really compare platoon to? You know, well, there's uh, you know, there's Good Morning Vietnam, yeah, there's Full Metal Jacket. I guess there's a few. Yeah, Forrest Gump. Yeah, but I mean, but but there's not. But how many great Vietnam movies are there? Platoon's probably the best one. You know, there's lots of great war movies, and there's already been a lot of great Iraqi war movies. But uh, Hurt Locker definitely is right up there. Mm -hmm. Probably one of my favorite. Yeah, I I really enjoyed rewatching this. It's it's a good film, and it made that list of a hundred films to see before you die. Yeah. I think it's a thousand and one films before you die. I think it's a thousand and one. Like that. Yeah, that's right. Thousand and one. Yeah. Definitely a good movie. Um, it's on Max for the time being. It's supposed to be leaving Max soon. But if you've never seen Hurt Locker, take the time to watch a uh, really good, um, really well done war film. Um, well acted too. Well directed. Oh yeah. By Catherine Bigelow, first and- woman director to win Best Picture or win Best Director and Best Picture, I believe. So, yeah, and de- deservedly so. And then she would go on a couple years later to make uh, Zero Dark Thirty, which is the story about the raid on Bin Laden's compound. And uh, it's yeah, really so good too. Not as good fun. as this, but still a really good film. Yeah. yeah. Same think, era. So. Yeah. Yep. Still in um, Afghanistan. So next week, um, we are going to uh, do a fairly current film that came out a couple years ago. And, uh, Strange we mentioned James Cameron in this episode um, because he is a producer on the film we're doing next week and almost came really close to directing himself. But he was so busy with Avatar films and whatever the fuck James Cameron does that he handed yeah. the reins of this film to Robert Rodriguez. And um, and that's okay. I think Robert did a really good job with this film. I think this film is uh, criminally underrated. Um, it did okay at the box office, but it kind of got lost in uh, that summer that year. Um, but yet this might be one of Robert Rodriguez's best films. And that is based on the very popular manga series. Uh, that is Alita Battle Angel. You told me the story of the war when the ground shook and the sky burned. Of the ones that survived. Who awoke to a different world. Where the powerful prey on the weak. But that's not the way it has to be. When I found you, your very human brain was miraculously intact. It's the loneliest feeling not to know who you are. In time, you'll remember. I remember black skies, the lightning all around me. Alita is new here. It's a harsh world down here. You gotta be willing to do what it takes. Alita, run! My God. She's the last of her kind. She contains technology that have been lost for 300 years. Let me show you something. 
This body, I feel a connection to it. I can't explain. You know more about me than you're saying. Alita, some things have been left forgotten. Then I'll find out for myself. She's threatening the natural order of things. I need you to destroy her. Alita, they will come for you. I'll have to face them head on. I'm gonna need you to stand way back. Tonight is not a game. It is a hunt. And uh, this movie is currently on Hulu if you want to watch along with us. And uh, this is a movie that when I, I did not see this in theaters, I, I didn't see it till it came out. I, and I can't remember if I rented it or I, I, you know, I might have even bought this without seeing it. Like, I'm I just gonna I buy it because it. it looks badass. And yeah. um, and man, this is a cool ass movie. Um, this is like manga and anime come to life on the big screen. I know there's been a few live action animes and mangas over the years, but this one might be amongst the very best because it's really solid and well done. Um, it's just got, it's cool as shit. I mean, the cool factor in this movie is through the roof. Um, that's for sure. Um, some good performances by Christoph Waltz and the other actors in this movie. Um, but just, I mean, it's just a cool film. And I've only seen this like once or twice. Um, so I'm looking forward to rewatching it and, uh, you know, getting ready to watch it and giving our look, look, see next week on the, the podcast as we talk Alita Battle Angel. Um, but until then, the rubberradiopodcast.com for all your rubber radio needs, as always, and all the links to all the apps and all that great stuff where you can listen to the show. And uh, we thank you as always for listening. We hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving like uh, we did. And um, mm-hmm. until next week, continue to be safe. And remember, as always, this has been Mark. This has been Matt. Just go there and do it. And do it.